Welcome to the History of Blurbs podcast. I'm Katie Smith, and if you're listening on iTunes and you like these blurbs, leave me a review. If you don't like them, maybe just email me at historyblurbs at gmail.com. So let's get started on Marquis de Lafayette. Lafayette was born September 6th, 1757, exactly 261 years ago on the day I'm posting this podcast. His full name, which I will not attempt to say, is quite lengthy, and he even joked about it in his autobiography, saying, It's not my fault. I was baptized like a Spaniard with the name of every conceivable saint who might offer me more protection in battle. And since he came to be known as the hero of two worlds and fought in multiple revolutions, maybe that worked. In 1775, Lafayette attended a party where the guest of honor was the Duke of Gloucester, who was King George III's brother. The Duke was not a huge fan of his brother, and spent the evening openly praising the exploits of the colonists. After hearing this, the idealistic young Lafayette decided to cross the ocean and offer his assistance to the rebellious Americans. Unfortunately, he left not only his young daughter behind, but also his wife, who was pregnant with their second daughter. His letters to his wife Adrian from the journey to America really show how enamored he was with the ideals about liberty and equality. He said that the happiness of America would be bound up with the happiness of mankind, and that we would establish a republic of virtue and honesty and tolerance and justice. It sounds like he was laying it on pretty thick, probably because he abandoned her when she was pregnant, but he still seems to have actually believed it. It had been relatively easy for 19-year-old Lafayette to get a commission. Silas Dean was handing them out to French officers who expressed an interest in joining the fight, and Lafayette had the benefit of connections that came with his title and an education from a top military academy. But the Continental Congress was not impressed, and initially turned him away. Then he said he would serve as a private officer at his own expense, and suddenly they were a lot more open to him. He was wounded in his first battle, the Battle of Brandywine, but refused treatment in the moment and managed to organize a successful retreat. After a two-month recuperation, he was given command over his own division for the first time. He's still the youngest general in American history, but it might be an unbreakable record since teenage generals aren't really a thing. He had a close relationship with George Washington and became one of his go-to aides. Lafayette was long orphaned by now, and Washington seems to have been something of a father figure to him. He even named his only son George Washington Lafayette. He also sent Washington some dogs, French hounds that Washington bred with his English foxhounds to increase the size of his pack. The American foxhound officially became a recognized breed about a hundred years later. After the American Revolution, he returned to France, where he had a fourth child, and he continued to be a revolutionary in his home country. In 1789, he witnessed the storming of Bastille, and as the leader of the newly formed Paris National Guard was given the main key to the Bastille, he sent it to George Washington. That same year, with the help of Thomas Jefferson, he penned the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen, which remains part of France's present-day constitution. In 1784, Maryland became the first U.S. state to grant him honorary citizenship, but the rest did follow. In 1935, the U.S. State Department determined that this did not result in him becoming a U.S. citizen following the ratification of the Constitution. Then in 2002, he became the sixth foreign national to be given honorary American citizenship by Congress. Before him, there was Winston Churchill, Raoul Wallenberg, William and Hannah Penn, 
and Mother Teresa, and there have been two more since. In 1824, he returned to America for a year-long visit where he was basically treated like a boy band member. 80,000 people met him at New York Harbor when he returned. Only 4,000 met the Beatles in 1964. He had been invited by President James Monroe, but it was an election year, and by the time he left, John Quincy Adams was president. There's a story that Lafayette was gifted an alligator while in the U.S., and that when he realized he couldn't take it back to the middle of war-torn France, he gave it to President John Quincy Adams, who kept it in a bathroom in the east wing of the White House and liked to not tell guests it was there. Unfortunately, it seems to be an urban legend. What is true is that Congress held a dinner in his honor on New Year's Day, 1825, where Lafayette toasted the perpetual union of the United States. It has always saved us in time of storm. One day it will save the world. Over 90 years later, that speech was remembered by Charles Stanton, the nephew of Edwin Stanton, who was Lincoln's Secretary of War. Charles arrived in France during World War I, went to Lafayette's grave, and said, Lafayette, we are here. Lafayette hit all 24 states on his U.S. tour, even seeing the key to the Bastille he had sent George Washington at Mount Vernon, and consequently, a bunch of stuff started getting named after him. But the first U.S. city to be named in his honor actually happened all the way back in 1783. It was Fayetteville, North Carolina. He was generally revered as a hero in the U.S., but he wasn't always super popular among the Founding Fathers. Jefferson actually complained of his canine appetite for affection. But these eventually evolved into more grown-up friendships once he was no longer a teenage general, especially when he was back in France and constantly helped the American ministers, first Jefferson, then Monroe. For instance, Lafayette lobbied to get the whalers of Nantucket a contract to sell their whale oil to the city of Paris. To thank him, the entire island of Nantucket pulled all their milk and sent him a 500-pound wheel of cheese. On May 20th, 1834, Lafayette died in Paris. He got caught in a bad storm one day and never recovered, which is pretty much how George Washington had died 35 years earlier. King Louis-Philippe, who Lafayette had initially supported but then fought against when he didn't follow through on reforms, ordered a military funeral to keep the public from attending, and protesters flooded the streets. Meanwhile, in the U.S., President Andrew Jackson ordered that Lafayette receive the same honors that had been bestowed on Washington when he died. Both houses of Congress were draped in black for 30 days, and members wore mourning badges. Americans were urged to follow similar practices. Later that year, former President John Quincy Adams gave a three-hour eulogy of Lafayette, and I will not read the entire thing, so you're welcome. But I will leave you with this excerpt. Lafayette discovered no new principles of politics or of morals. He invented nothing in science. He disclosed no new phenomenon in the laws of nature. Born and educated in the highest order of feudal nobility, under the most absolute monarchy of Europe, in possession of an affluent fortune, and master of himself and of all his capabilities, at the moment of attaining manhood, the principle of republican justice and social equality took possession of his heart and mind, as if inspired from above. He devoted himself, his life, his fortune, his hereditary honors, his towering ambition, his splendid hopes, all to the cause of liberty. He came to another hemisphere to defend her. He became one of the most effective champions of our independence, but that once achieved, he returned to his own country. When acclaim, 
any claim to political power by inheritance shall, in the estimation of the whole French people, be held as it is now by the whole people of the North American Union, then will be the time for contemplating the character of Lafayette, not merely in the events of his life, but in the full development of his intellectual conceptions, of his fervent aspirations, of the labors and perils and sacrifices of his long and eventful career upon earth, and thenceforward, till the hour when the trump of the archangel shall sound to announce that time shall be no more, the name of Lafayette shall stand enrolled high on the list of the pure and disinterested benefactors of mankind. Thanks for listening.